0: Hello friends and welcome to the Coffee and Deer podcast with Nick and the Doctor. Coffee and Deer podcast sponsored by the Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves coffee and culture to people who love America and be sure to check them out at blackriflecoffee.com. Certainly appreciate their support and today we're going to be talking with Matt Ross and Ben Westfall from the NDA team. So always fun to bring on uh, folks from the National Deer Association team. They're gonna be talking about our Deer Steward program. And I know we're gonna have some fun with this. I'm sure there'll be some uh, poking and prodding and and making fun of each other and all that type of thing. But we also, we recently launched the brand new Deer Steward 101 online course. And so this is timely. And I'm hoping that you're hearing this while you still have time to go on and take advantage of a 35% off That we're running for the first 350 people that sign up for that as part of our 35 year anniversary. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We also have our B Team report, as always. And the next episode is an Ask NDA Anything episode. And we already have questions coming in. So that's good. People are on the ball. So get them in. We'll have them for the next episode Ask NDA Anything. All right, with that. Let's say hello to a man that has had enough of removing snow from his porch on a daily basis. The doctor is with us today. Mike,
1: how's it going? It is going well. Uh sore back and all. No, I'm just kidding. I just But yeah, it's a totally different world up here. I mean, um you and I share probably comments or photos every day about how I'm shoveling snow and and you are down there living the dream you know it's almost like <laughs> florida like florida to uh to uh alberta
0: well i would hardly call anything i'm doing as living the dream but when it comes to keeping track of who's shoveling snow more it sounds like that you're pretty much every day having to deal with at least a little bit of something whereas down here i think i have touched the shovel maybe three times so you're you are definitely living in a more arctic environment
1: we have lake effect i mean it's not I can't say that it is um, really the fact that that is the weather pattern. It's when you have a larger body of water that hasn't frozen over yet, there's still evaporation and that evaporation, when it goes up, it has to come down. And at this time of year, unfortunately where it comes down is a lot closer to where I'm at than where you're at.
0: It's funny people who haven't grown up in this region, they hear lake effect snow and they're like, what you seriously, we get snow off the lakes and we do. Uh, even where I'm at in southwestern Pennsylvania, we get lake effect snow from Lake Erie. Mike gets it where he's at, and also the worst of it all. Uh, our uh, chief development officer, Lauren Varner, lives in Erie, and so she gets it the most. We'll have we'll have staff meetings, and we'll be talking about who has what for snow. And of course, our southern colleagues never have any, and they're poking fun of us, fun at us. And then you'll have Lauren say, "Oh, we got like two feet." <laughs> so. Yeah. Very, a very real thing. And so yeah, you're you're getting a little bit of that there for sure. And this, this was also interesting, not to make this the weather report, but uh, the the recent bomb cyclone that hit the Northeast. Actually, it was interesting because my buddy, Ron Hawes, friend of the show down in Delaware, they had colder temperatures there on the coast a couple days ago than we had here, meaning like they were down into the very low teens, which for Delaware is very unusual. Uh, but that was a that was a quick hit and it's gone now And now we're already back up to about 50 degrees here where i'm at so how is it doing there mike where you're at
1: uh we bottomed out at well at least here at the house based on the therm, uh, thermometer outside uh minus five uh actual temperature and then minus 27 with wind chill
0: yeah you had it rough we were lucky we were on the fringes we did get down into about 20 but really that's not horrible for here so anyway Hey, Mike, we're going to talk deer stewards, something that you and I are both graduates of. Um, uh, that's something, just looking back, that's something, you, you glad you did that? Of course,
1: 100%. It was just something that when you enjoy hunting, and at that time, I was a lot, and I shouldn't say a lot younger, I was younger, and hunting was a big deal, more specifically deer hunting. One of my goals in life was to be able to purchased my own piece of ground. And we had just bought this piece. It was the first year that we bought it. And I wanted to get myself off on the right foot and everything lined up so well for me where they were actually coming to New York for the level two course. And as we talk about, you have to have the level one. And at the time it was the first year that they began to offer the level one online. And so I crushed out the online course, and I shouldn't say crushed it out, but I mean, I, I spent the time to go through it in short order so I could apply to level two and take it closer to home where I could actually stay at camp and then just drive to the property, which was at Kindred Spirits in New York, um, near the, the Hornell area of New York.
0: Well, yeah, it's a great program and I'm glad we're going to bring the guys on to talk about it. So let's just do that. Uh, we'll give them some extra time to tell us all about the deer steward program where we're headed this year with the courses the new online program and all of that good stuff so let's jump to the interview it's always fun to have some of the team from the nba on the coffee and deer show and in this case we brought two staff members of the team. We got Matt Ross here. He is our director of conservation, long tenured. We'll let you tell, he'll let uh, Matt tell us about that. And Ben Westfall, he's our conservation coordinator. These guys are going to join us today and talk more about our deer steward program and some impressive numbers. I, I was actually surprised when they told me the total number of people we've put through this program over the years. So looking forward to hearing that story. But before we do that, guys, first of all, thank you for being on and Why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh yourself and then we'll get into what you actually do here at the nda so matt you've been here the longest you get to go first
2: i'll go first awesome so uh, i'm currently the director of conservation uh with nda been with uh organization for uh coming up 17 years i think this spring uh served a variety of roles Uh, I actually used to do what Ben does now. So Ben will talk a little bit more about that role that he serves, but did that for a long time. That was probably the longest uh, position I had. Um, I'm a certified biologist and forester. I get to oversee our conservation team. I get to talk, uh, to, and work on our public lands initiative, which, uh, I've been on this podcast before to chat about. And does this make me the very first repeat guest on coffee and deer?
0: I think it does. Yes. Yeah, the the doctor's nodding and saying yes. So um, yeah, Mike, I don't know, do we have an award for that? We can maybe send him like a,
1: you know, a shovel of dirt or something like that. <laughs> Tell you what, we'll when we actually start making the official B team shirts, we'll send Matt the first one. First awesome. prototype. There we go. I,
2: when I got the invitation, I thought, oh, I think I'm gonna I'm filling a new role here as the as the first repeat guest. Well, and you haven't even had Kip Adams yet.
0: We actually have.
2: Oh, yeah. have? Okay. And so,
0: and that tells us that you weren't listening to the show. So, <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> demerit, demerit on that. We're going to go ahead and just go ahead and mute Matt's microphone the rest of the time. And there will be uh, no t shirt now. Yeah. And, there, there, and, uh, and, and ben, ben will enjoy your t shirt. Um, no, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize that, but that is true. You are our first staff member repeat guest, actually, first ever repeat guest on the show. So, uh, yeah, welcome back. Sorry, we, uh, we won't interrupt you anymore.
2: I'll, t- I'll take the accolades when I can get them, but <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been on to talk about the public lands initiative and uh, working on that very hard, expanding that this year in 2023. We, we achieved some great things in 2022 in that, um, but I get to oversee Ben and some of his colleagues and what they do. Um, they run programs for NDA, uh, like Deer Steward. Uh, they work with state agencies uh, alongside state agencies, uh, putting habitat on the ground, meeting with landowners, helping collect chronic wasting disease samples in certain places, uh, help with some of our grants and, and uh, some of the money that comes in with some of our conservation initiatives. So I do a, a laundry list of activities, uh, really love my role and the diversity that it brings. And uh, that's, that's probably a good uh, overview of me. I live in New York State and uh, enjoy my job thoroughly. Love it.
0: All right. Well, there, yeah. And you've made yourself so busy that we had to hire more people and Ben's one of those people. <laughs> uh, Ben, good to have you on the show for the first time and, uh, tell us a little bit about you.
3: Yeah. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, as Nick mentioned, my name is Ben Westfall. I'm the conservation coordinator here for, uh, NDA. Um, I'm coming up on four years with the organization. So, uh, chugging along there and, and happy to be a part of it. Um, when I first was hired on in 2019, I started as a, a QDM Cooperative Specialist in Alabama working for uh, working with landowners and hunting clubs to help kind of bridge the gap between neighboring properties that may not have been agreeing on management strategies and objectives and things like that and, and helping neighboring folks work together. Um, over the last couple of years, I've transitioned into overseeing our certification programs, which includes Deer Steward. Um, and it also includes the land certification program and um, kind of do a variety of things in my new role now. In addition to that, um, I help support the Southeast Deer Partnership Initiative. Um, I work directly with Kip and Matt on, on all kinds of stuff. I'm creating content for our various platforms, blogs, articles, uh, things of that nature, and just kind of a, a catch-all when I'm needed. And um, again, you know, I'm happy to be a part of the team, and I've really enjoyed my time here so far. Um, I was born and raised in Missouri, but this job has brought me down to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, where I live here with my wife now. And um, yeah, we've been here four years and we just love it. So it just, it keeps getting better in my career and our personal life, so.
0: that's great. Yeah, glad to hear that for sure. And it's interesting uh, hearing you guys talk about the various things you do reminds me of how diverse the job descriptions are for most of the staff here. Uh, We have what, 20, 21 people and to do all the things we do People get their hands involved with or get involved with many different aspects of the organization. And you guys just detailed a bunch of that. So thank you for doing that. All right. Main reason we have you on here is to talk about the Deer Steward Program. And we've had some exciting news with the Deer Steward Program. We're going to talk about this. We've had to launch of uh, the Deer Steward 101 or Deer Steward 1. Sorry, I get our Hunting 101 and Deer Steward <laughs> programs mixed up. But our Deer Steward 1 has been redone and our online course is, is brand new. You guys can tell us a little bit more about that. But why don't we start with just a what is the Deer Steward program?
2: Deer Steward was created uh, back in the mid-2000s as a basically an answer to our members asking us a lot of good in-depth questions on how to make their properties better. Um, At the time, we weren't even 21 people or where we are now. It was a smaller staff. And of the people that was in the organization, not many of them were uh, trained in land management, deer biology, forestry. So we thought how can we develop a training um, or a course that people could take that would teach them all the, the nuts and bolts of managing property, managing deer herds. And uh, it started out with that in mind, uh, evolved. I'm kind of given the high level here, uh, you know, it evolved to serve a variety of different roles, not just for landowners. We have people that take it that are, um, they do this for full-time career they work for um government agency they might do be private consultant but they do it to kind of get the latest research because we we redo these as nick said um every once in a while with with new research so somebody may have been out of school a long time and and so we get practicing natural resource professionals that take it so it's not just for layman but it is designed for for people to take it to learn about land and deer management and the overarching Um, goal of the deer steward program is to give them that information there's different parts and components I'll let Ben kind of get into that since it's his program but uh, whether or not they do one-off or they do it online or they come to something in person but it's our answer to the question hey I want to learn more you know how can I do better on my own place or where I hunt even if you don't own it that's that's that was our 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 response to that our solution, and so it's not just NDA staff. We bring in outside experts and we bring them into one place and make it easily accessible for the people that want to learn that information.
0: All right, yes. Yeah, Just I guess it was Ronald Reagan that said ideas have consequences and someone had an idea and here are the consequences all these years later. So thanks for the overview there, Matt. Uh, Ben, yeah, get into the details. We have different levels of deer steward. Anywhere you want to go with this?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we kind of have, with the deer steward program, um, an umbrella of the program where there's all these different components to it that kind of make up the uh, program in its entirety. Um, The main three levels of the deer steward program itself is level one, two, and three. Um, With level one being entirely online, um, that thing is awesome because it gives you the opportunity to learn all these different topics at your own pace. Um, You can kind of chip away at it in the evenings after work. So it's really designed for for anybody from uh, real estate folks that sell recreational land to professional biologists to your average hunter and land manager to to really learn everything there is to know about deer management and habitat management um, at their own pace, um, online from the comfort of their home. So it's extremely convenient, it's affordable. um, And we just basically give you an an A to Z overview of everything deer and habitat management. It's extremely comprehensive um, and it's very informative. And leading up, um, following that, we have our deer steward level two course, which is in person. um, And that takes what you learned in the online level one course, and we'll teach you how to apply that um, through hands-on and field experience over the course of a few days um, in real life situations. So you'll get to go out and, and learn about different aspects of deer management from uh, forest stand improvement, food plots, prescribed fire, um, aging jaw bones, just a whole slew of things that you would do while managing a pra- a, a property and, and get your hands dirty. So I went through that, that long before I was an employee back when I was a land manager in Missouri. And it it made a night and day difference in the, my knowledge and my skills as a land manager. Um, it was not, not only a ton of fun, but I really learned a lot over the course of that weekend that I was able to translate uh, directly into my job as a land manager. Um, and then level three, it's not a class. It's more of a distinction where you'll fill out an application and kind of outline the, the things that you've done over the years, um, to give back to the wild deer resource and to conservation as a whole. So it's an accolade that you earn through, a Long term dedication to wildlife management and, uh, and conservation. So that's very prestigious. There's only about 60 folks that have achieved that um, since the program's inception years ago. Um, so that one's very, very, very um, important to us and important to the folks that take it. So um, those are the three main options in our peer steward courses with the levels. Um, then we also have our modules, which has an in-person and online component as well. Um, basically what we do for the modules is we take one of those topics that you go over in Deer Steward and really hammer that down over the course of a weekend. Um, so we may have one that focuses specifically, uh, specifically on habitat management, um, where we'll spend two and a half days only managing the habitat. Um, I know we've done them in the past where it's how to run and analyze camera survey data. We've done predator trapping. So it's a much more um, refined and specific Aspect of deer management that we go over. Um, same with our online modules as well. We take one of those particular topics and focus solely on that um, over the course of the period of time, um, which we have actually redone our online modules um, to update those with the newest research as well. So those are derived from our Deer Steward 1 course where you can hand select one of the different sessions um, from Deer Steward 1 if you're not quite ready to jump into the whole course and kind of chip at it that way um, through the modules.
0: Great. Yeah, great detailing of each of those uh, various aspects, um, just to, I, I mean, I know the answers to these questions but I'm thinking about what someone listening might be might be asked or wanting to ask. And so one of them would be, let's say that I take a look at the Deer Steward one course or what's what's in it. And
3: I say, well, I already know all that stuff. Can I just jump to Deer Steward two? No, um, Deer Steward One. We actually do get that question quite often. Uh, Deer Steward One is the prerequisite course for that, um, so you are required to complete Deer Steward One before becoming eligible to take um, Deer Steward Two. Mainly because we do cover everything in such great detail and with all the latest research, um, you really do need to go through that in order to to be comfortable with level two and really understand the concepts that we're that we're going over out in the field. Um, so you you are required to take level one first.
1: And so I'll jump in there just to like further drive that point home as an educator, is that you might believe that you know everything, and we call it in the classroom background knowledge, but if you do show up to an advanced course or an advanced concept without the adequate and correct background knowledge, what it winds up doing is you'll never get the full benefit out of that upper level intervention, that upper level experience, because you'll be... In my opinion, behind from the, the minute you get there, you'll have a bunch of questions that could have been answered in that first level course, and that doesn't allow you to really concentrate on the material at hand. So it almost be a waste of money. So I'd, I'd just recommend that you take it. You know the you know they're they're making you take the first one anyways, but there's a reason behind it, and it's actually it does it is benefiting your you as you as you actually learn.
2: To to even uh, further that point, Mike is uh, that's act that's accurate. Um, but in level two, because it is the hands-on application of management, we refer to level one all the time in our level two class and say, you know, there'll be a speaker saying, now, if you remember from level one, we taught this, this, and this. And so you may have a good working knowledge of certain aspects of hunting and land management or a particular aspect of land management, but you may not know the, you know, everything about land management, you may be really good at uh, putting food plots in, but do you really know forest management and silviculture and managing the, the trees? Not not many people have a working knowledge on all, all of those things or have access to the latest research. Um, that's that's another part of it. And so uh, we feel it's important. And, and the good thing is they used to be um, all in person and doing an, uh, a multi-day in-person event where you're traveling to it can get expensive. We decided to put level one online uh, a long time ago and, and make it only online so that it was much more easy for somebody to do that first level. Uh, and, it's, and it's more cost effective to do it that way for us to put it on and for the people to take it as well. And, and the way to learn uh, the type of information we teach in level one, it can be it can be delivered in that format rather than uh you know where doing hands-on information uh you ha- you have to be in person for that so they just built off they build off each other really well and uh yeah the the prerequisite is for for everybody's benefit
1: now I have one more question when we were talking about who might be interested in taking these courses. When I took the level two steward course, there were actually a few college students that were uh, taking the course for either some type of course credit or course requirement. Is that still something that is common that you see or that you're contacted by individuals to um, determine if that is still an option for them?
3: Yeah, um, I actually get that question pretty often from college students, you know, asking if that would be applicable for college credit or, or how that that may you know, help them advance in their career as a aspiring natural resource professional. Um, so we do get a fair amount of college students that go through that. Um, and we actually offer a scholarship to a high school junior, senior, or a college student that's interested in a career in wildlife management, um, to actually register for our deer steward level two course or our in-person modules for free. Um, so they can fill out an application and submit that to me as to why they feel they deserve the, uh, the scholarship registration and, um, have a chance to win that registration uh, to one of those courses. Uh, the deadline for that is March 1st, um, and you can just submit that directly to me. But, but yeah, we do have some folks that will take that and submit it uh, to their school, whether that satisfies some sort of an internship credit or um, basically just helps them learn a little bit more that applies directly to some of their coursework um, that they may experience through college. It's just going to kind of give them the leg up um, experience-wise and knowledge-wise as they advance through their program.
2: You know, I, I went. Ben and I both went to school for wildlife um, because we're interested in deer and deer hunting. I think that's what got it. And many of our our workers uh, you know, even as a master student, I didn't get the level of information that the Deer Steward Program delivers for deer. I mean, you get to learn about population dynamics when you when you take college courses. Um, you get to learn about um, somewhat. How wildlife respond uh, to uh, to uh, managing the habitat. You learn about uh, other aspects of, of of these things, but there was I, I didn't have an experience where I left a college course or a semester or even you know a section of college where I felt like what we deliver in in a very easy to way, you know, digestible format that we we put on. And we even say in the highlight reel for the Deer Steward One course, it's like going to deer college but without paying college tuition. Um, we try to make it that way specifically.
0: You know, thinking back to the prerequisite, I, I mean I've never met someone interested in deer that felt like they knew it all. All right. We know the opposite of that's true. Most people, do; they kind of do feel like they know it all, right? When you talk to them, just go on Twitter and follow a deer hunter and you'll see everything that they know. But uh, really what I'm saying there is just to go back to when I took deer steward one, it was back whenever it was in person. And so we're going to talk about the history a little bit here because I think there's some neat stuff to come out of that and how it's evolved. But yeah, when I took deer steward one, it was in, in person. And I remember going into it I thought well i don't know how much i'll learn here but i'd like to get that certification because i think it's pretty cool but then walking away like being humbled like you know what you don't know crap about deer <laughs> you know a lot more now than you did before you came in here and i think that's certainly still the case even to the point of as a staff we're going to go back through deer steward one again look at the the latest course and, and we're going to learn something guaranteed everyone on one of us will learn something so uh with all that being said Let's talk about the history of this because I think it's pretty cool. Like I said, I did Dear Steward one when it was still in
1: person. Uh, Mike was yours was yours in person or was it online at that point? It was actually both. It was when there was a few courses offered in person and you could take it online through Clemson and I took mine online. Okay, so it was through the it was through QdMA, but Clemson I guess was helping out with the 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 formatting or the interface that you had to um, use to actually get the modules finished.
0: Okay. Yeah, I remember that time. And so that's a good transition then into my question. And Matt, you're going to lead a bunch of this because you were there for the early history. Uh, where was, if you remember, where was the first one held? And generally, like, how has the program
2: changed since then? So, where was the? So, the first courses were, I believe, in 2009, uh, if I remember right. 2007, we launched, what? at the time we called our reach program which stood for research education advocacy certification and hunt like our hunting heritage program and so the c was our was our certification and just like you uh, mentioned nick we and I said this a minute ago, we launched it as a solution to the questions we were getting, you know, to give people access to the information. But we also thought, you know what, this, we'll make it a certification. Like people can get certified and that will be a, a broad appeal. And it was for some, as you just said. Um, I think more people have leaned more towards getting the information over time. But we designed that and or launched Reach in 2007, 2008. Uh, we uh, planned the first courses but the first ones were held in 2009 and we did two of them if I remember right and we held one in Georgia at in uh, Athens or Bogart Georgia, which is where we had a, uh, our headquarters at the time and we did one in Pennsylvania um, not far from Erie and those were uh, level, one and one level two or two level ones I I don't quite remember but I actually wasn't in charge of the program at the time I would I would was able to attend one of those two as a speaker I came to the Pennsylvania class I did not go to the Georgia class I was an employee Uh, I was working as a regional director at the time believe it or not but they brought me to speak about forest management because I was like I'm a licensed forester uh but in 2010 on on I was in charge of the program so I've pretty good feel of the of the program from 2010 on but that's where they they were held the very first two classes uh, we held them 100% in person uh for the first probably at least 6 years 5 6 years They're, that's all we did was in person and around when mike took it we decided to offer an online option. And it was pretty clear people wanted to take it online. Uh, we did so, we have a, a board, uh, an emeritus uh, board of director member who is retired from Clemson University, strong ties to that university. Uh, colleges and universities know how to do distance learning like no nobody's business, you know? So we figured we'd use that technology and we held a class in at Clemson in South Carolina I think it was in 2012. Filmed it in front of an audience, and then it went online in 2013. And so, from you know 2009 to 2013, were the the years where it was only in person. And uh, we refilmed uh, the popularity of the 2013 version online was so strong that we refilmed it in 2017. We gave it a few years, brought in new research, uh, you know, new speakers. Did that one in northern uh, Missouri. Uh, We held it in partnership with Missouri Department of Conservation. We held it at one of their facilities, uh, but also uh, with Heartland Bullhunter Television. Uh, We had their film crew and producers there to film it. uh, And uh, we had it hosted on Clemson's platform there uh, again. And then this new version, uh, I'll let Ben talk a little bit about that you know, where we went, it's not with Clemson anymore, and why we did that. Uh, but that's kind of the the short history of how things have come. Now, how has it changed? That was the second question. Oh, man, beyond beyond the fact that it's part of our strategic plan as a company to stay on top of the latest research. Um, for the listeners that don't know that it's literally in our strategic plan that that is something we do. And that's assigned to Ben, um, every time a new journal comes out, new papers that has to do with deer and land management, he distributes it amongst our conservation team that says, here's the latest papers. And you can imagine after five years, four or five years, it piles up. I mean, there's new research. We also attend all of the the – the big conferences that happened with deer uh, in, in the country, there's a Northeast meeting, a Midwest deer and Turkey meeting, and there's a Southeast uh, deer study group meeting, which we hosted the last two calendar years. It's coming up here at the end of the month. Um, It's going back to be in person and um, that's in Louisiana, but that's where all college students are presenting the latest research. So that's the biggest thing, Nick, is how, how has it changed is, within a four or five year time period, and this is our third version that we just launched, you know, there's a lot of things that we know about deer. I'll give you an example. Um, The first year, 2009, uh, when we started giving these classes, I don't even think we really knew deer excursions were occurring. And (laughs) what an excursion is, is when a deer leaves its home range, uh, it's an adult, it's not a dispersal. It's not a young deer that's setting up a new place. It's when they... You know, you have a three, four-year-old buck, three, four-year-old doe that is, you know, 95% of the time is in their home range. Well, they make these forays where they're gone for one or two days and they come back or a few hours and they come back. They might go miles away. We didn't even know those, those existed in 2009. And that's an example where, you know, research tells us something. We have to include it. Diseases, that's another thing. Not that we want to talk something, you know, that's kind of a bummer like chronic wasting disease, but how has that changed since 2009? So research is probably the biggest thing that's changed. Um, the delivery of the information, uh, Ben stated it earlier, we are really excited about this latest platform. It is current, modern I mean it's 2023 and we need to be with the times you are feel like you're you're watching um very high resolution good quality uh education when you watch this new one so I'm very excited about the platform that it's in and the speakers have changed you know people that spoke in 2009 are retired at this point Dr. Carl Miller who is the most published uh deer researcher that we know you know he's got more papers out there he is now retired. And so we brought in new blood, new speakers this year. And we always have. Um, so those are, those are three examples of how, how things have changed over time. We got to stay with the times, right? People want to know how to manage deer. We want to give them the latest information and that's what the deer steward program is is known for.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you pick up any old hunting magazine, even let's say 20 years ago is one thing and say 40, 50 years ago, we are way further ahead in our knowledge, and I would like to think that this organization is a big reason why. I, mean, I know it is. So, yeah. And it's funny as we're throwing around dates, I'm, I'm literally looking at my office wall, and my first Dear Steward one, I have my certificates proudly framed and on my wall. Uh, it says, um, in recognition of fulfillment of all the requirements approved by at this time QDMA. Uh, anyway, it was on the 16th day of August 2009. And then my Dear Steward Two was on the fourteenth day of September two thousand nine. So I have to believe that I am one of the first people in the first groups ever to be to go through those programs. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah, it would be. The two thousand nine one uh that you first mentioned in August, was that Pennsylvania?
0: That was actually at the Grigsby in okay. Illinois. And then the second one, Dear Steward Two, was it up at Erie, and that's the one you were thinking of that was probably your first one. So I was there, Matt, for that.
2: Yeah. And I knew you were that eerie one.
0: Yep, and that was yeah. Dear Steward too. And so there you have it. That's a that's a pretty cool history. Now, actually, I need to get my act together and, and submit my qualifications for DS3. So, if you guys know anybody that's going to look at that application and could put a good word in for me, uh, let me know. All right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I want to I want to switch gears a little bit. Still on the history, but these are these are. Th- a lot of fun too they're fun for the staff they're certainly fun for the attendees it's not just all learning all the time so i want to ask you and i'm going to start with you ben because even though you've you've only been doing this a, a little while as compared to matt anyway some of your fondest moments or memories that you can think of and it can be something you did or something someone else did it at, at, uh, that took place anyway at one of these events
3: oh that's a great question you know just in the the few short years i've been going there there's so many good fond memories that I have just from, you know, the class itself, but also getting to, to rub shoulders with some of the the industry experts, you know, and, and getting to share the stage with some of these guys has been incredible for me. You know, I've learned a lot um, from them, just spending time with them and and being in their presence as you know, I grow in my career as well. Um, but I'd say as of most recently, one of my fondest memories is uh, last year we did a private training for Arkansas game and fish. Um, and that was just an extremely cool experience for me to get up on stage in front of 90 professional biologists and commissioners. And, you know, all the eyes are on me, you know, looking at me as as an expert in the field and being able to present present to them and, and you know, be a respected colleague and really uh, grow my skills and and grow my my name in this field. And everything was just extremely cool for me. Um, that was a, an experience I'll never forget for sure.
0: And you also, we're going to ask Matt the same question, but you'll be presenting at the Southeast Deer Study Group for the first time, something Matt and I have both done more than once. So are you excited, anxious,
3: all the above? All of the above, for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely anxious. I've, I've been to a couple of these meetings, um, both in person and online, so I know how important it is. I know how big of a deal it is, so um, I'm definitely excited.
0: Yeah, well, you'll do a great job. You're you are absolutely part of the group, Ben. So I'm looking forward to seeing your presentation in Baton Rouge in a few weeks. So Matt, over to you. I mean, you've seen a lot in this this program over the years. I mean, at least the stories you're allowed to share here over the airways. Uh, what what are some of your fondest
3: memories?
2: Uh, I've got dozens and dozens and dozens of, of great stories. So you have to cut me off. But I I, I have so much fun memory related to dear steward they are a ton of fun to go to and and host and teach at um you know we we like to have fun uh, you know the staff with each other we make sure that it's a fun experience you're not sitting through something listening to talks um and it's not boring you know we 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 have a blast and if you decide to come to one of our classes you will have a, you'll have a good time but i have some some great memories my deepest friendships are with the people that I've been with at these at these programs, including not just co-workers, but people that have attended them. You know, I stay in touch with our, a lot of folks um, that have come. I'll give you some examples. You know, I'll try to stay brief on some of these. But we held a class in, in uh, Minnesota in March one year. It was uh, a class that, uh, you know, we flew into Fargo. There was snow on the ground. Um, it was a level one class, but level one, when we did them in person used to entail like a field trip at the end. And for years, um, we used to try to go to like celebrity locations, uh, for those that have been a member a long time that are listening. I mean, we went with the Lee and Tiffany Lakowski's property. We went on Jeff Foxworthy's property. Um, we went, uh, you know, I can go on. There was a lot of them, but this one was, um, with a, uh, not necessarily celebrity, property but we were out walking on deep snow uh ice and uh the the attendees really gave us a hard time because we were talking about tilling the ground and the necessity the necessity of like needing some of this some of our southern speakers i won't name a name and uh, he said one of the people said what month would you do that he said you know march And uh, one of the attendees said, it's March right now. Look on the ground. And it was, you know, (laughs) like foot and a half of snow. And so that was one of those like uh, wake up moments where like, okay, we need to to speak to the audience. Um, We did a class in Texas one year, a level two class. A lot of times in level two, we incorporate again, being hands on a a full deer necropsy, which is we get a deer there either taken up that has been taken on a depredation permit Um, Chronic wasting disease testing, which has been the case some years more often than not, um, or even a roadkill, but we break the deer down, and uh, that year we couldn't get a deer, and so we ended up getting an access deer, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, just by the the state had access to access deer, and so they were, they're a non-native, so that was kind of an interesting story um how in the
0: world could you not find a deer in texas my goodness yeah
2: i don't know just the, t- <laughs> just the timing the timing i'm going around the country here to try yep. to spread the, spread the love one year uh in indiana uh northern indiana it was angola indiana we this was one of the early ones uh, we used to give everybody a framed certificate uh not just and nick you probably have one of those i think they are they came yep yep um and so there were late nights because we would assemble the frames. Uh, me and joe hamilton our founder and and kip and others that were at these classes you know we would teach her the day and at night we'd share a drink and put together frames and uh joe cut his finger on uh one of the frames trying to and that was an emergency room visit uh at, late at night you know at one of these classes um you know there was no alcohol involved with the cutting of the finger it was just it was an accident um and trying to think going around the country we we've done classes all over but i shared with uh, mike you and uh nick on the last time i was on this my memory talking about one of my strongest memories as a as an employee was some of the the relationships and stories that are told around the fire and uh, we held a class in pennsylvania uh that it was one of the more endearing moments of my career where we had a bunch of people telling their stories about what got them into hunting and what, why they liked at the time QDMA, what, what the organization meant to them so much. And I still hold that as one of the, the strongest memories. Um, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, I met people from, we've held classes in almost every state at this point where white live at least in the East. Um, some of the, 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 especially on the East coast in the South, uh, just so many good memories as i think about it i mean it just it, it almost makes me you know shed a tear honestly it's just amazing that i've been blessed to to travel around the world country uh and and meet so many great people talking about deer it's it's kind of a pinch me thing
1: and that's something that i don't want to be you know i don't have it want to have it lost on the conversation is the 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 camaraderie after the fact is is very important as well. I mean, some of the people that I went to class with, I still have connections with, which is, you know, really interesting. But number two, as you were saying, Matt, the the gatherings afterwards, the informal gatherings, there's a ton of information that, gets passed around in those as well. If you're, if you're willing to, you know, spend the time after, uh, I, w- I don't want to say a long day, like it's, like it's drudgery, but you know, you're, you're with these people, you know, all day, but when, you know, people like Dr. Craig Harper or uh, Mr. Joe Hamilton, you know, kind of take their teacher hat off, just the information that individuals like that can just spew is, is just remarkable.
2: Yeah. 100 hundred, the camaraderie is top-notch. I mean, you—it's—it's it's worth the price of admission to hang out with a bunch of people for a couple days that are cut from the exact same cloth you are cut from. Yeah, the, there's a lot of gelling, and I, Ben's probably thinking about this now. But one of the things that we do at our in-person courses, we hand a, around a like contact sheet that says, um, you know, you want to be on some kind of list at the end, and we share that you know, we, you have to give us permission to share your, your contact information. We're not going to just give it out, but the ones that want to be on that list, we share it with the other people in the course. And I know people, Mike, honestly, that were young, uh, you know, college student or freshly out of college that got a job because they were at a deer steward course with somebody that had a property that needed a manager. Um, I know people that have traded, you know, hunt experiences with each other they're from different parts of the country they're managing land for deer and they stayed in touch and they said you know they now travel to each other's properties and hunt together Um, you know you're talking about decade-long relationships that have been formed from the course it's it's a gelling moment for sure
0: hello friends i want to take this quick time out to tell you about one of our fine nda supporters loophole now the loophole name is synonymous with high performance optics of course you've got rifle scopes spotting scopes binoculars red dot scopes turkey season coming up you want to check those out they also have apparel which you may not have been aware of which i'd encourage you to check out if you visit their website at loophole.com. that's l-e-u-p-o-l-d.com and while you're there i encourage you to check out the many great resources they have to help you determine exactly what products you need for the type of hunting that you'll be doing. Also, as we always ask, please support the companies that support the National Deer Association. That's Loophold at Loophold.com. Speaking of the cost of admission, let's get into some logistics here, Ben, and I'm going to throw it back to you as the, the man in charge of this program now. A couple things. We'll start with what are the costs involved if you want to do these programs. And also tell us where this year's courses, the, at least the Deer Steward 2 and Habitat module courses are going to be this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just kind of go in order, uh, right up the levels and talk about the, the price point for each one. Um, so the new Deer Steward 1 online course, um, that's typically $250 for non-NDA members. And that includes an NDA membership and is $225 for NDA members, um, so you get a little bit of a discount there um, if you're already a member. Um, but right now we're offering a 35% discount on that um, off of the $250 because it's the 35th anniversary of the organization. To so to celebrate that, the first 350 people to sign up will receive a 35% discount. Um, that's almost $90 off. Um, so that's a huge savings on that course. And you know, as I mentioned, um, There might still be some spots available by the time that this, uh, that this comes out. So I would, I would jump on that as quickly as possible. And all you got to do for that is enter the code NDA 35 at checkout. I'm going to automatically apply that discount and you'll get to save a bunch of money. Um, For Deer Seward level two, the price for that is a thousand dollars for non NDA members, um, which includes an NDA membership as well and $950 for NDA members. Now, That may sound expensive, but as Matt mentioned, you know, just the the camaraderie and the amount of fun you're going to have is is worth that admission fee. Um, But you're going to just learn so much knowledge and gain so much valuable information over the course of those four, three and a half, four days um, that it really is priceless. And and that cost includes, you know, the vast majority of your meals, um, course materials, you know, a notebook to take notes throughout the course. Um, You'll get a Google Drive link after the course with a PDF copy of all the handouts that we give out, um, all the PowerPoints, so you can go back and and reference that stuff later on. Um, So you'll be able to actually bring a lot of those materials home. And I know folks who have printed those out and put them in a binder and they leave them in their side-by-side or leave them in their truck for when they're out on the field and kind of put together their own field manual. So uh, there's a lot of value in that as well. Um, The in-person modules, that's 750 for NDA members and 800 for non-members. of the same as level two you know you're going to get those materials that you can reference later on Um, the majority of your meals are going to be covered in that Um, but this the module courses are a little bit shorter they're over about two and a half days Um, so that does drop the price down a little bit um, with that as well now the online modules are kind of all over the place Um, the new price structure with those varies depending on uh, which one you take because some of them are 15 minutes long some of them may be an hour plus Um, so you can check that out on our website at um, deerassociation.com slash steward, and that will have a full breakdown of all those module costs, but they range from about $20 all the way up to $85 for some of our our longer, more in-depth sessions, Um, so that's a a basic rundown of the course for all those levels.
2: To add to that, um, I know you asked him where locations are. I'll let him um, say that, so sorry I cut you off, Ben, but the deer steward two course is four days. It's a Friday to a Monday, um, you know, thousand dollars or nine 50 or whatever you end up paying. You come in Friday. Um, like you said, the, there's a lot of meals involved, uh, but we have a social that night. And then it's two, uh, full days of instruction and a half day Monday. So when you think about the cost broken over four days, um, it's, it's reasonable considering we're feeding you like five, six times over that period. Um, and, at, at the same time, it's usually put on a destination that ha- includes uh, management that has been done ahead of time. Uh, so we we go there. Sometimes there are properties that are picked that are uh, really well managed. Sometimes they're not, but we will always go there earlier in the year and set up a bunch of sites. And so there's preparation that's done on, on the front end too, so that you have the, the utmost experience when you come to them. So Ben, go ahead and tell them where level two is and then uh, where the the one module we're hosting this year and what the dates
3: are. Yeah. So for level two this year, um, we're really excited for this. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, it's the 35th anniversary of the organization. Um, And I'm sure a lot of our members and supporters and followers are familiar with the origin of the organization that was founded by uh, Joe Hamilton in South Carolina back in 1988. Um, So to celebrate our 35th anniversary, we're bringing it back home to South Carolina and um, hosting that course in Blackville, South Carolina, with Southeast Whitetail and the uh, Haslam family, who were the winners of the Out uh, Brothers Deer Manager of the Year award, I believe in 2019. Um, that's going to be from August 4th through 7th this year. Um, so these guys have an awesome property. They manage it extensively. They've been managing it for a long time. Um, it's just going to be a lot of fun. If you want to come out and meet our founder Joe Hamilton and and get to see a really cool property um, in the state where it all started. Uh, this will be a good opportunity to do so um and then this year we are hosting our habitat enhancement module. This is our most popular module. it's um led by myself, Kip Adams and Dr. Craig Harper and they is primarily Kip and Craig just go over habitat management in super great detail over the course of these couple of days. um they are both a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that. so if you're interested in le- learning about habitat, this is the one to be at and that will be in Jamestown, Missouri from July 14th through the 16th? We we move our
2: classes around too. If people are, you know, if you don't live in South Carolina or Missouri, um, the level two classes, because it's the continuation of level one, uh, we we pay attention to where uh we have been, um, where our members are. That's that goes into the equation a little bit. Um, where we might have had classes recently versus in the past. And um, uh, so we try to move them around. And so we do this rotation of kind of like different regions. We did two years ago, Louisiana or Alabama, Alabama. Alabama. And uh, then last year we were in Wisconsin and now in 2023, that one's going to be in South Carolina. And so that's done with purpose. You know, there's, there's definitely planning about a year to two in advance of trying to figure out where these are going to be. Um, but if uh, you, you, want to travel I mean it's only a plane ride we try to do these things to a location where you can easily get to and we do have a a a wide berth of people coming from all over the country that on average our level two classes um, will host anywhere between uh, probably 15 to 17 different states in the audience if we have about you know 35 40 people there they're not all from South Carolina people do travel for them Um, but If you'd rather not travel, you can always just kind of watch the calendar and when you have one in your state or a neighboring state, you know, sign up, then take level one then, uh, however you want to do it.
0: All right, and worth pointing out that there have been over 4000 people take our dear steward courses so this has been a very big deal and I'm proud to be a student proud to be part of it from the other side of it now, as I'm sure the doctor is as well. And uh, let's, you know, have this conversation again, we get 4,000 more people. And, uh, you know, we not we don't have to wait or we may have to wait that long, Matt, before bringing you back on the show, because, you know, you're, you've become a regular. So, <laughs> you know, um, you,
2: you hold a class with 30 to 40 people, and it, it takes a long time to build up to 4,000 individuals. You know, we, that's about what comes to a class is 30 to 40 people and you just do them over and over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. Hopefully you and I are both retired by the time <laughs> we reach that
1: number again. So. But I will say that when, uh, when you do go to the class, even though there's 35, 40 people, you know, this is kudos to you, Matt, as well as Kip and, you know, Joe Hamilton was there when I, I took mine as well as, uh, uh, Craig, I, I don't know if Craig was or not, but, um, when I took mine, we had the option. There was a, there was a test. There was a, like an assessment at the end that um, you could either take as a group or you could take by yourself. And so when they were passing out the test, they walked, I walked up and Matt asked me, said, are you taking it with a group or by yourself? I said, I'm taking it by myself. And Matt said, I kind of figured. So, I mean, they they do know who you are. I mean, they do know you as an individual based on your personality and the questions you ask. And uh, they really make it a consorted effort during the meals to sit with you and, and, and get to learn you as an individual as well. And one more story that I have to say, because we're on the air, is that when I was done with that test and they were passing out the certificates, et cetera, and so on, when I received um my certificate because Kip knew that I knew you Nick when he passed me my certificate he said hey you did better than your buddy Nick did I'm like ah. <laughs> he's a <laughs> he's a dirty
0: liar and he's no now... because well
1: if Matt if you remember I took that one at Kindred Spirits and the the odd thing was is that um I scored according to them I scored you know high like when they passed them out they passed them out highest to lowest. Well I scored high in the test but I also scored the rack at the same perfect score that uh, Joe Hamilton did, and they said we don't think we've ever had anybody do this before. We'll have to go back and check. So I was not yeah. lying, Nick. The question is better if, than you did.
0: If they found the old stone tablets that they used when I took it, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh, sure. I just had
1: to, I just had to dig you when we were when we were running here. I'm sure I wouldn't In, get, and get a American perfect confirmed, just so that you didn't think I would say I was stretching the truth. Confirmed, confirmed. Yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't get a perfect score now. Uh, I don't I don't think I got a perfect score but I'm just saying it was yeah. uh I did get uh the the measurement of the rack that day was uh was perfect.
2: The exams are part of the experience they're they're fun I mean, oh, yeah. for anybody sure. that's listening but like take an exam yeah. we do it because if you if you get it wrong you will remember that's generally you know like if you have a bad experience doing something you spray the thing the wrong way or do something the wrong way you you generally remember that so we do give an exam we go over it at the end. And we make it part of, we hand everybody their exams back and we go over it and say, okay, you know, how do you answer this? And we talk through these things. So it's part of the experience, but I do know, um, you know with that said on uh, doing these exams, it is generally a a, a fun competition at the end of talking through some of those things. And I remember early in the years, um you know with the, some of the predecessors those early classes this is kind of a, a a nod towards nick we made them really hard in the first couple of years to the point where <laughs> i took them. i'm like i don't know if i'd get all these questions right because all the speakers would submit questions and we had some really hard you know what's that would uh ask some hard questions we tried to we probably eased off of uh, on some of these exams over the years so nick if you didn't score well I'm 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 doing a little kissing up here, I guess. But <laughs> oh, if you did man. not score well, yeah. because those first couple of years were really hard exams.
0: Well, it does speak to what I said early on, and that is that you come into it thinking you know something, and I'm I'm sure everybody does know something, but you leave it knowing a lot more than what you thought. I mean I, I, I remember being very humbled. By how much I did learn, and by by not getting them all right on the test, and I think that's part of it. If we gave you something that everybody just aced it and it was easy, you'd be wasting your time. So, I think that's a testament to the program and why we hope anybody listening to this wants to take advantage of the opportunity because it's a good one. Like I said, the, the doctor and I are proud graduates, and we encourage you to do that too. So, Ben had mentioned earlier, go to deerassociation.com/steward or you can easily find us just type in dear steward we're the only ones that do it and get signed up for a course this year get a chance to meet these characters in person and i'm hoping to get to at least one this year myself so. Thank you guys for taking time out of your very busy schedules, to be here, and uh, we do appreciate it, and I look forward to catching up with you soon.
2: Thanks guys. Yeah, Happy thanks for having us.
0: Mike we did a lot of joking around as part of the interview but they're. How we ended there, I think, is important, and that is that you, I don't care who you are, you will absolutely learn something, and we didn't talk about this a lot in the show, but you also learn people from, or learn information from people who attend, and many times you'll hear the instructors say, well, wow, that's new, I never really realized that, and so it's really a great information exchange throughout the whole course of the uh, the event.
1: Well, even when a participant will ask one of the instructors a question, the the way that the instructors have a, a such a depth and breadth of knowledge, they're able to answer that question, and that question that the individual asks might apply to your own situation. And so therefore you're getting these unique perspectives that potentially could custom tailor additional information to you. So the the communication back and forth, it is a two-way street. It's not the fact that you're going there and being spoken at or spoken to in that capacity. They want you to ask questions. They want you to think a little deeper because it makes them think a little deeper and maybe provide some information that they didn't that they didn't initially um plan on presenting but enriches the conversation yes definitely
0: great exchange of information and uh, that was a great conversation with those guys i had a f- lot of fun with that one uh mike we gotta we gotta jump to the b team report <laughs>
1: You sound like you're, you're just chomping at the bit to go, so you must have something good.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because I have thought about this, and I, always, I don't have any shortage of things that I did that were stupid <laughs> that, for whatever reason, I get great joy at telling people about. But uh, this one, I'm going to go retro, okay? So I, I do occasionally want to bring in some of the old ones that happened that are relevant, and this one goes back to the deer steward program. And it's going to go back to you, you heard us talking about the years that I took it. And I had said that the first one was at the Grigsby in Illinois. And so I'm going to go back there and since it's my turn to go first. And so <laughs> what happens is um, I had not at that time done a lot of traveling or flying. The job I was in at that time was still in Pennsylvania. And so I really didn't and that job was just local travel at a local. I worked for a, a regional conservancy and so you drove a little bit but you didn't fly a whole lot. And so for me flying over to Illinois where this was at um, was an experience that was part of the experience for me and I had to go through Chicago. And so and and by the way this is the this trip is the trip that made me put Chicago O'Hare Airport on my do not fly list for much of my career. Now I've since gotten over that. (laughs) Because sometimes you just don't have any choice. Uh, But at any rate, so yeah, I'm flying and I'm flying from Pittsburgh International. And uh, the stop is Chicago and I don't remember where we landed from there. But anyway, uh, go to Chicago and get there and I'm ready to board my next flight. And I find out that it's that it's delayed and uh it was a repair issue or whatever and i didn't understand at that point i was confused about you know i heard someone say well this flight you know may not go or whatever and so i i just thought i was going to miss the first part of the deer steward course and so i'm all distraught i had no status i'm a nobody with with all the airlines at that point so i didn't know anything about where to go and so finally i'm like i got to find somebody and i go up to a a gate agent and i'm like "I, i thought that i couldn't fly like i thought that the flight was canceled. And so i was like all worked up and i'm like i'd I'd like do you what happens now do you put us up in a hotel because i got to get to this thing and just frantic and the the person's just looking at me like i had two heads or something and finally she said uh she said sir she said you're just gonna we're just gonna put you on the next flight i wish i could remember where we were going and i just looked at her and she was like like, you don't do this much do you and i was like no i don't I, i really thought that it was like overnight and i wasn't going anywhere so yeah That was my first experience about what happens whenever your plane is delayed or there's been a schedule change and so yeah she was like yeah literally like within an hour there's going to be another flight going there and so you're going to be on that flight. (laughs) And so, then I was panicked, of course, about my bags, how do they get there at the end of the day, it all ended up working out and now I am I know all of the little tricks and angles to get around airports when you get stranded and I you know over over the years have developed some status, but at that point Mike. That was my B-team report, learning the hard way in sort of an embarrassing fashion about what happens whenever your flight does not go as planned.
1: And I will have to give kudos to you, even though I I bust your stones a lot. Um, You have become very, very well-schooled in regards to airline travel and paying attention to the subtle cues of things aren't going to go my way here, so therefore I better you know, pivot and and make a change. So uh, because we talk about that a lot, when when you're in the airport, you usually are, you know, going to give me a call and give me the rundown. And and I appreciate that because I am not someone that flies often. And when I do, I always have to uh, bounce my ideas off of you first so that I actually am at least gaining some of that knowledge that you have. So yes, you are very, very well-traveled.
0: I do try to pay attention to people around me, too, if they start panicking because of that experience that I had. And I will just tell them, like, listen, I see what's happening here. You need to go do this, this, and this because mm-hmm. so you be- pa- paying it forward. Yeah. And you feel you do feel badly because if you if you're not used to flying and you you know show up to an airport, uh, something bad happens, like we get, were stranded for three hours and I'm sorry, six hours stranded in Minneapolis earlier this year. It's a panic. It's a panic mode and you don't know what to do. So I am happy to help uh, folks do that. So anyway, that's my B-team report for this time. What do you got?
1: Mine is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, the the weather had been cold here. We had that that um, very cold air coming down from the Arctic. And the full disclosure, I just put a wood burner in this place this year. And it it's... It's just sized appropriately, if you will, but we didn't get a very big one because this, even though I'm staying at our camp, I never thought I'd be living here long term until, you know, we we decided that we want to, you know, buy a home up here a little bit closer to where I work, because I'm, you know, my commute's pretty long. But when that Arctic front hit over a 48 hour period, I was fueling that fire in the wood burner about every three to four hours. Is what I needed to do to keep everything comfortable in here, and um, what that meant was I was trying to stoke it during the night because uh, if I didn't, the furnace would come on so frequently that you know we you know use propane here and I, I'm it's expensive as heck, and I thought well I have all my wood for free off of the place here, so I'm just gonna fuel that fire. Well, what I wound up doing over a forty-hour period is I was getting up to stoke the fire. And what I didn't realize is I was actually becoming sleep deprived because I wasn't really getting into a deep sleep, You know, the whole process of putting the wood in and then I have to crack the door until everything chars and then close it and then choke down the air, et cetera, and so on. It's like when you stoke the fire, it's literally like a twenty to thirty five minute process. And so I was getting about maybe two hours and fifteen minutes of sleep every, Phew. you know, every so often through the night. And so, On the second night I wake up and it must've been like three in the morning or something like that. And I'm going over to stoke the fire. Well, the darn thing, you know, it's, it's time to put wood in, but the, the, you know, cast iron stove itself was probably 400 degrees Mm. and I'm half asleep and I have a glove that I wear to put my wood in and, but I wasn't paying attention to what my arm was doing. And so I had this large chunk of wood in my hand. I'm putting it to the back of the firebox, half asleep, and I touch my arm to the right hand side of the mouth of the stove. Well, that immediately wakes me up. And we have, you know, when you feel pain, you have this retract um, reflex and a recoil reflex and my hand recoils, but I didn't have the, do- the door open the whole way either. And so my other side of my arm touches the the door and I have these two perfectly symmetrical burns on both sides of my arms that, that blistered up. And I tell you what, I didn't sleep for like another six hours. That, those things were aching and thumping. and um, But, you know, hey, we got through it. The pipes didn't freeze. Everything was good. So I survived a little scar, none of the worse for the wear though.
0: And here, I was afraid to ask you if you were suddenly starting to give yourself some of those self-tattoo things or self-brandings, but
1: that's not the case. I did not I mean I branded myself I mean but it's <laughs> nothing fancy two two parallel lines or well, two lines on on either side of my arm.
0: Well, let's hope they totally disappear and you don't have a conversation piece and you have to explain that story to to everybody. So, <laughs> speaking of which, this isn't a B-team report, but I did find out how boring of a life I lead. Uh, I have to go in for a couple. Well, by the time people hear this, I'll already be done. But I have to get two MRIs done. And so I've never done this before. It's like going to an airport for the first time, right? And they called me earlier today and they said, we're, we're going to screen you. And they asked me all these questions from like, do you have metal in you? Have you ever had any metal removed? Do you have pacemakers? Do you have any recent tattoos? Like 50 things. And I don't have any of them. And I'm like, and That's I even good. said, to this, yeah, oh, I said to the woman, I said, you probably think I live the most boring life ever. I don't have a single one of these things. And and she just laughed and she said, well, it's actually, this is one case
1: where it's good to be boring. So there you yeah, have I it. I mean, truthfully, because like, if you think about magnetic mag, like MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging. So if you have like metal shards in your eyes from like metal working or um, metal that you forgot about from a surgery, that magnet's trying to pull that piece of metal out of you toward the magnet. So it can do a lot of harm. So yeah, boring is okay for an MRI. Thanks for putting that in my head, because if I
0: was abducted by aliens and they did something weird to me, I don't want it pulling out of my body tomorrow. So, well,
1: that'd be a good thing because it pulls out and then they wouldn't be able to find you anymore. So you're good.
0: All right. Well, (laughs) this will be quite an experience. They did ask me if I was claustrophobic, which I'm not. And I hear that that can be a problem for, uh, for people getting an MRI. So, Apparently, I'm not getting like I hear them advertising they have the, the fancy open MRI, right? Well, they have a couple different places at the hospital where they do these things. And if they're asking me if I'm claustrophobic, I guess I'm not getting the the open MRI. So I'm going in the tube, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're, if your ears bother you though, I mean, go ahead and get yourself some of those, like those swimmer silicone earplugs to just put in your ears because it, it thumps constantly. And if that kind of thing bothers you, like if you're irritated by lights humming, like, you know, the, the fluorescent lights or the clock ticking at night when you're trying to sleep, just put some ear, like, and I I like silicone is probably the best. It's what my patients, like I advise them to do and it'll block most of that out. So you can at least sit still and concentrate on what you need to do.
0: No, there you go that might be I do have a six year old in the house I I deal with those noises all the time so anyway appreciate the advice there hey. couple promotions, I want to tell you about before we get you out of here Uh, at the NDA we are still doing our vortex crossfire HD binocular giveaway those are eight by 40 twos. All you have to do it is so simple it's free you just go to our website and you will just fill out your information give us your name address email address and you're entered simple as that that is free also we have a really cool promotion going on this is your snap share and win okay it's a bit of a competition there's a lot going on with this one uh, but it's kind of all cool stuff so uh, you'll want to check that out uh, on our website as well this promotion is going to go also until the end of february and so this is a there's a lot going on here so just sort of bear with me and let me explain the rules here so uh, basically it's sort of like a gofundme but it's from a, it's got a conservation twist and you get a chance to get involved so basically how it works is uh you enter for 30 your entry fees 35 dollars. however i will tell you you get an nda first light hat as part of your entry fee so there that takes care of about 25 of it right there uh, but anyway when you do enter you'll get an email with directions on how to upload a photo from one of your favorite hunts and a short description 150 words or less and at that point you're actually in the hunt so you are entered But then you have the opportunity to get people to go and view your photo and view your story. And as part of raising money, they get to vote for you. And the more money you raise, the more chances you have to win. So for example, uh, every week, we're gonna review the efforts, uh, our fundraising efforts. And if you reach a goal of $500 or more, you'll be eligible to win a firearm from our inventory. And we have all good stuff. We don't have any junk in there. (laughs) It's all good stuff. And the final grand prize, and this is pretty cool, Mike. It's something I've always thought about doing. It's a guided 3-day archery seek a deer hunt in Maryland. And if you say, "Well, I'm not I don't shoot a bow. I just shoot a gun." Well, we got you covered there too. Because you can get a bow if you want to use a bow, we're going to give you that or if not, you might want a crossbow. And so we're going to give you that. All by going on and sharing your story for a modest fee, getting your friends to, to jump in and vote for you and put some money toward the cause, and you're going to get a chance to win those great prizes. So check that out uh, on our website as well. So that's that's a simple one. So the website for that, and we'll put this in the show description, but it's go.ndafundraising.com. C slash hunt memory. H-U-N-T-M-E-M-O-R-Y. And again, we'll put that in the show notes. But a really great grand prize there, a chance to help us raise some money for the NDA. And we'll hope you'll take advantage of that as well. So with that, Mike, got to ask you real quick. We, we also, uh, I was going to ask you what, you what you're up to because you're doing some timber management. But I wanted to mention, too, that we have some great articles you may have seen that we're promoting right now on our platforms, on Clover in particular. Uh, we just put up on our website, Maximize, maximize closer, Clover Food Plots for Deer. Uh, with winter management now our winter maintenance now with mark turner that's on our website that's a good one very timely and also uh, to complement that frost seeding clover and other food plot species when and how and that's an article by kip adams and that is on our our uh, facebook page so those mike are very timely something we're thinking about and also related using lime to fuel your food plots with ryan bassinger so those three articles are going to have you pretty well set for
1: your early spring plantings, right? They sure are, actually. I mean, I I went out and picked up uh, some lime because I have a plot that I got uh, results back that need a little bump this year, and so I just picked mine up just to have it. And as soon as the snow depth finally <laughs> eases up a little bit, and I can actually expose that soil, it's going to get limed up. Yeah, time to do that. And
0: I just texted a buddy of mine and said, "Hey, remind me of who the guy is that trucks that will truck me lime in here." Uh, because I need it and if I don't have the pile sitting there the next thing I know it'll be June and I'll be complaining that I didn't line my food plot so uh, that's going to be an expensive buy but a necessary one uh, and also I had mentioned Mike that you have been doing a little timber management so any updates you want to provide on that?
1: No it's going well uh, as we mentioned from the B-team report I always bring a tarp with me to set my chainsaws on now and the, with the depth of the snow but I'm chunking away I probably got uh, probably a quarter acre down right now and uh, out of 3.3 so um, hopefully by the time this is all said and done or you come up to visit I mean I'll have a three acre uh, I'll call it a selective clear cut where there's certain species that are going to be allowed to stand just for the overall benefit But that's where I'm at right now mowing mowing them down alright well you're ahead of me I need to get the
0: chainsaws fired up and ready to go because I do have some small little touch-up work i'd like to do so yeah folks don't let it pass you by there's a lot going on right now and also pay attention to our when we list our deer steward courses this is uh take advantage of that opportunity they do fill up pretty quickly and so if you're interested in that and want to do it i'd say just pull the trigger and make it happen so with that thank you for listening folks covered a lot of ground here today hope you enjoyed it hope you found it useful national deer association where we are united for deer